Hi, this is Dr. Kimberly Leonard. You're listening to Incredible Life Creator Podcast. My guest today is Lori Lyons. Lori Lyons is the owner of Igniting Your Business, a website design and marketing company. They specialize in helping seasoned business owners and consultants make money with their marketing. They design an amazing online presence for their clients so they attract their perfect clients and grow and flourish. They keep the digital side of the business in flow and each component working together from websites to CEO to email marketing to social media. Lori is a sought-after speaker, guest, and writer. She is the creator of the Marketing to Speak program, a program that shows speakers how they can attract bigger stages bigger audience, and more money for their speaking gigs. Welcome to the podcast, Lori. Thank you, Kimberly. So thank you for having me. This has been, this will be fun. And, you know, our meandering Sunday drive as they speak, as they say. So yeah, looking forward to it. Yes. Yes. Looking forward to the conversation. So just so people can get to know you and who you are, tell us your story. Sure. Um, You know, being the being the age that I am, I have quite the story, but keeping it, keep it as simple for your, for your audience. I started out as a teacher. I, you know, graduated, I thought growing up, that's what I wanted to be was a teacher and would play school and all the kind of, you know, fun stuff you do when you're a kid. And after several years, I realized that eh, I love teaching, but I didn't really like teaching kids. So, so I left teaching and went into the corporate world, spent a couple of years in corporate and then, um, was laid off and ultimately ended up with a small business, which I really, my corporate world kind of started my marketing progress and started my marketing path. But then when I worked for a small business, I did sales and marketing. And so that kind of solidified it and, you know, took a lot of classes and training and stuff and and sales and marketing and just really kind of grew from there. And then in 1990, I married my husband and moved to New Jersey and went to work for another small business. And in 1994, left and started my own company doing pretty much the same thing. But in 1994, entrepreneur wasn't the word that it is now. And people were like, you work from home. That's kind of weird. You know? So, you know, I worked in a little closet in my basement and, but you know, it, it was a good growing opportunity. It was, you know, I, all of my clients stayed with me. So it was a great experience for me doing this kind of on my own. And there wasn't, there wasn't the mentors and the, and all the information there is now. So you just kind of like trial and error and figure out what works and figure out what doesn't. And then, um, in 2006, I, you know, what I did with my company was I made custom binders. Well, in 2006, I realized the internet wasn't going away. And so much more was going online that it was like, you know, either I had to totally retool or make a new decision. So I came to one of those crossroads in life and just said, I'm closing my company and did a couple of different things for a couple of years. And then in 2010, landed at a digital marketing company, which is where I really got my start to where I am now. So it was all of those paths kind of intersected. So that in 2015, I started my own digital marketing agency. I'd been doing it on the side anyway for friends, but I decided to make it official. And so here I am. It's, um, you know, all roads, all road lead, roads lead to, to an end at some point. And this is kind of this is kind of my, my, my rest area and where I, where my sweet spot for right now. Beautiful. So you've been in marketing for 
20 years? A long time. 25 years? <laughs> um, actually, since 1986. Because <laughs> that's what my corporate job was, was, you know, was a, a sales and marketing and, and customer experience uh, position. So I started there. So let's just go down memory lane here. So, okay. What was the difference between marketing the first 10 years and what you're doing now? And I'm going to ask kind of a complex question. You can answer it however you want. Okay. And the, the clients or the consumers then and how they made decisions and how you were using your hooks or whatever you were doing to okay. get their, their business compared to now? Good question. You know, it's, I, I tell my clients, the principles of marketing are still the same as they were in 1986. It's the way we market that's changed, which is, which is really an interesting thing because when you look at marketing today, it's so out there and there's so many different ways we can market. So in, in, you know, the early days, or for me, the early days, it was a slower campaign. It was a slower process. We would, we still identified our ideal client. We still talked to them. We still told them how we, you know, solved their problems. So it was still problem solution based, but the difference was consumers just didn't have the information or their hands-on information that they do now with the internet. So if we fast forward, however, you know, many bazillion years it is, now consumers are so educated and there's so much information available to them that they can make good choices. They can make intelligence, but you know, at the bottom line still, Kimberly, a lot of it is still relationship-based, which is what it was in, in 1986. You know, people still did business with people that they know, liked and trust. And today there's just a lot more avenues to do that. It's just, it's just a quicker process. Everything is, is speeded up so much more than it was in 1986, you know, when we were designing mailers and, you know, sending things in the, in the mail. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, now that people have so many choices and they're almost, it can almost be overwhelming. I mean, it was kind of easier, you know, you know, Henry Ford said, do you want a black car? Do you want a black car? And you're just like, yeah, I want a black car. <laughs> Which black car do you want? Yeah, exactly. Now we have any color you want. We'll paint it whatever color you want. Um, so how do people stand out in the marketplace when there's all these choices and not only the choices, but maybe overwhelms people because it's just too much information. Oh yeah. I hear it all the time. I hear people say, well, I hate technology. I hate marketing. I hate this. And a lot of times it's not that they necessarily hate the marketing. They don't understand it or they don't understand the strategies behind it or, um, you know, and, and technology is technology. It's, you almost have to learn to live with technology today. In fact, you do have to learn to live with technology as a, you know, as a business owner to make it in today's world, because it's not going away. So we, we, you know, we can either learn to live with, you know, the ugly color house next door <laughs> or we move. So in this case, that's not an option. So we learn to live with it. And with marketing, it's what I, what I talk to my clients about is keep it simple. It's, it's really, like I said earlier, marketing boils down to three simple principles. It boils down to the right audience with the right message at the right time. It's the way you deliver them that can be complicated and overwhelming. 
And I think what a lot of entrepreneurs have today is, you know, the, the, the popular term is shiny object syndrome. Well, this sounds good and I'm going to get this for a good price. So I'm going to try this. And you, you know, you put it out there. I'll use social media, for example. I made five posts in the last four months and I'm not getting clients. So it must not be working for me. So I'm going to go do something else. And we're so easy and so quick to say it doesn't work without giving it the patience that you need sometimes to let a campaign flow and work and gather your numbers and see what's see what's working and see what resonates and see what doesn't. So, you know, the long-winded answer to that question is, you know, yes, it can be overwhelming. Yes, it can be a lot, but, you know, take a step back from it and say, what's really going to work for my company? Cause you don't have to do it all. Exactly. So should um, companies or, you know, solo entrepreneurs, should they be on every platform or should you just choose one where your audience is? Yes. (laughs) 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 Yes. No. And yes, no. And I think there's the pressure today to be on every platform because, oh my gosh, you know, Instagram is working for somebody or, oh my gosh, look at what they're doing with on TikTok. Well, TikTok may not be right for you. You may not be comfortable on TikTok or your business doesn't, your your business and marketing doesn't say that TikTok is going to work for you. I need more than 60 seconds to tell my message. Um, and word has it that eventually it's going to get larger. But, but, you know, if Facebook is not your where your audience is, don't go. And that comes from really knowing who your ideal client is. Um, I had somebody tell me the other day, I shared my, my, FBI dossier on my ideal client. And they're like, holy moly. You know, I even named, you know, their, their dogs and their cats, because that's (laughs) how well I know my, my ideal clients and I go where they are. Wonderful. And then the other thing I've heard about marketing is that you want to have a story. Everybody needs a story or something to make it authentic. So one, is that true? And two, how real should we be? You know, social media is an international, everybody in the world sees it. So how do you create that interest and that rapport with people? But, you know, they don't need to know that you took the garbage out this morning. You know what I mean? They don't don't need to know that you went to pick up your kids from school. I mean, some people are putting on there what they eat, you know? So- Where's the balance of creating rapport and getting, letting people know you, but still um, keeping it professional? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because it, and and I've said this on a a couple occasions and I'll say it here now. I, I always get a kick out of the word authentic because I hear people say, oh, you're being so authentic. Well, if I'm working to be authentic and trying to be authentic, am I really being authentic? good question. So, so, you know, if you just be you, if you just be real and just warts and all, you know, everybody has warts, everybody has problems, everybody, you know, they're, they may not be the same for everybody, but that's what makes you, you. And that's what you, that's what you show. And of course we want to put on, you know, our good Sunday clothes when we're, when we're showing our best. So you, you kind of do that in a professional setting. Now, as far as stories, um, yes, stories are terrifically important. And, you know, one of the best stories that I have is, you know, I have a client that we were working on their story. We were and and when, when she was telling the story, you know, quite honestly, I, and I told her this, so it's nothing new. I was snoozing 
the story was boring because she was doing this exact same thing that you talked about. And Friday morning I did this. And then I went and did this. It's like, no, cut to the chase, cut to the, to the highlight and the moral of the story. And the audience doesn't need to know every single detail. They also don't need to know the process of the story, which means that, you know, if, if let's use, for example, Thanksgiving dinner, I'm cooking Thanksgiving dinner. You don't have to know that I, you know, took the gizzards and the guts out of the turkey. You just need to know I cook the turkey Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we get really bogged down in the weeds. We also, it's okay to have license to embellish the story as you need it or use somebody else's story. It doesn't have to be your story. Um, You know, it's, and, and people don't realize that as long as the story makes sense, a story is exactly what it says. It's a story, you know, mom, tell me a bedtime story. Most of the time you make those up. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be 100% factual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. And you can be creative and have exactly. fun with it. Exactly. Have fun with it, be creative and have a moral for it. Have a reason for telling the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're marketing to your clients, just tell me a little short bit of your story. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I go back to the three things I talked about earlier, right client, right audience, right audience, right, right message and right time. And my story is that I feed little wild kittens on my, my on my deck and I've been feeding them morning and night for, I don't know, about a, about a year. Of course, they're not kittens anymore. I think they're called cats officially, but once I started feeding them in the morning, they'd, you know, do in and then they'd come in and eat and then they'd go leave. And then I started noticing that a blue jay would come and eat whatever cat food was left over. And it's like, okay, that's weird. And not only would it eat the cat food, but it would yell at me if I, if they didn't leave some for it. So, <laughs> so then at night, you know, once I'd feed the cats, whatever they'd have left over, we had a family of raccoons that would come up on the deck and eat whatever's left over. And occasionally a possum if the raccoons left any over it. So what I discovered is that even though I was feeding my cat, which was my ideal client, and the message was the cat food, because I was feeding them consistently, I drew in other other target, uh, other audiences came up and listened to the message. So if you do this, one of the fallacies of, uh, of ideal client is people think, well, I can't just talk to one person because what if I have so many, you know, different people that I work with, if you're talking to that one person at feeding my, my cat's cat food, then you're still going to draw in other, other people to your audience. I'm still going to draw the blue jays and the raccoons and the, the occasional possum. And I feed them all. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that makes total sense. And I love the story. Thank you. <laughs> so, so if someone has a, like different services, for example, you know, at a business where I would work with kids, but I could also work with elderly, right. you know, I could work with athletes, I could work with people with brain injuries, but do you just start with one audience and market to them until you have it going and then you switch to another market or how do you do that? Well, what I tell my clients is, is identify who your favorite client is. If that's your ideal client, think about who you really enjoy working with. Who's that perfect client that does everything that you tell them to and when they're supposed to, and you know, what makes that person. So for example, when I was building my dossier on my ideal client is named Janice, I have a picture of her Mm -hmm. and you know, I know, I know what her husband does. I know that 
you know, she will go out socially with her friends and she has maybe a glass of wine or a margarita. And when she does that, she stops because she knows that she gets really obnoxious. (laughs) So it, but I, I based her on a couple of different people that I know. I based her on a, on some clients that I love to work with. I based her on some clients that aren't my favorite because here are the characteristics of those clients that, you know, maybe I don't want them all the time. Clients don't take that personally, but you know, it's (laughs) that we all have things that are are positive and our negatives that we all have things that, that we like, and that we don't like about ourselves. So I put positive and negative in my ideal client. So once I did that, and I start talking to Janice with my, with my marketing message, like you and I are talking today, but I might be picturing Janice as sitting out there in the audience, listening to the podcast and say, what would Janice want to hear? What would Janice like to know about? What's Janice's everyday problems and solutions? And when I'm talking to Janice and I'm saying a problem that may relate to, you know, Henry over here, he may have that same problem, even though he's not Janice. So when you're talking to one person and you're talking about the problems and solutions that, that you offer to them or, and the, you know, the solutions that you offer, somebody else is going to hear that and say, you know what, I have that same problem but I'm identifying and talking specifically to one person. And it doesn't mean that blue jays and raccoons and, and possums won't come because you're talking, you're, you're feeding that, that ideal client. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That <laughs> does make sense. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask about, so, you know, you have this marketing to speak program mm-hmm. and right now speaking is really strange in the last year or so. I mean, speakers who had their whole year booked up all of a sudden found themselves kind of unemployed. I mean, there's just nowhere to go. <laughs> no yeah. one was going anywhere. Um, and, and then, you know, <clears throat> they've had to switch to virtual or, you know, right. somehow create income another way. Right. So why don't you speak to that and, you know, what's no pun intended doing right? now? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, the numbers last year toward the end of the year where there were 7,000 speaking gigs every day. So if you know where to look, then you can go find them. And the most recent number I heard was more like 13,000 speaking gigs every day. Now that's worldwide across all markets, you know, every, everything. So there are opportunities out there and it's actually easier today for a speaker. If you're speaking virtually to get booked because you don't have to travel. You can go anywhere. I'm speaking uh, the first of December at a meeting in Canada that I don't have to go. I'm sitting, you know, right here with you, like I am with you. Um, But what I discovered, and I've taken some, I'm in a high level speaking program right now where I'm, I'm working on speaking and, you know, working on my message and all that kind of stuff. Cause you, you never finish coaching. Um, but I've discovered that there are a lot of speaking programs out there who talk about, let's work on your message. Let's talk about your point of view. Let's, you know, let's get your, your presentation skills out there. And then there, there are programs sometimes in the same programs that teach you how to go find the gigs, <clears throat> excuse me, how to go find all these 7,000 or 13,000 speaking gigs. But what they don't tell you is there's a, there's a bridge that is still needed, which is how to market yourself as a speaker. It's what does your website look like? Do you have a great uh, speaker one sheet or media kit? How is your, your speaker reel? What does your sizzle reel look like? And does it represent you accurately at a conversation with a, with a potential client yesterday who is really a cool person 
and she's got a great brand and she's, but she's, you know, her, her speaker, she, her sizzle reel. And I told her, I said, I'm sorry, your sizzle reel is just boring. I wasn't interested enough to keep watching it. And this is my job. Mm -hmm. So it's, there's a disconnect here between the message and where you find your audience. And that's what I'm trying to bridge is talk to clients and show them, you know, what they can put on their speaker one sheet, how to really represent and brand you as a speaker, um, what you need on your, your speaker one sheet. And there's a lot of companies out there that do that. So this is little, really a little bit of a secondary, if you don't have one, you know, what's your media kit like and make sure that it's all ready. Because if I'm an event or conference planner, that's going to be hiring a speaker for one of these 7,000 opportunities that are out there. First thing I want to do is go look you up online and I want to be able to contact you easily. I want to be able to see if you're the right person for my audience. I want to see what your topics are. And if they're not there, then they're going to move on to the next person that is. And that's a huge disconnect. Mm -hmm. That's where your marketing comes in then just. Yes, (laughs) that's what we do. (laughs) Exactly. Now, um, I recently have signed on with an agency, uh, Bruce Mirren Celebrity Speakers. So tell me the difference or is there advantage or disadvantages to having someone actually booking for you who they're handling the more detailed stuff and just going out and finding gigs? Well, for, I think for a lot of speakers, especially, you know, since the speaking industry has really exploded and people realize most business owners realize that that an easy way and a good way to get clients is to go out and present your message in front of audiences because you can usually make an offer or you can usually, you know, people, if they find you interesting or, or what your need, you know, do you fit their need, they'll go look you up. Mm-hmm. Um, so this program is really designed for more of that speaker that's starting to get into speaking that is still working their way through the system and still missing some pieces. Um, so an agency's typically... Not all agencies, agencies typically want you to have experience. They want you to, to be recognized on stages because for them, it's a, you know, you're going to be, you're their commodity. You're making money for them. So they want to make sure that you're going to be able to do that. And the time and, and the time that they invest into you is going to be, be repaid because you're going to, you know, you're going to get speaking gigs and get paid for them. Um, and there are different kinds of kinds of agencies out there. Some of them work on commission. Some of them, you know, it's, it, it depends on the agency, but just like anything else, you need experience to get that. And to get experience, you have to get stages. So you, to get that experience and get those stages, you have to have other stages. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's that, it's that ever, you know, ever ending circle of life, just like everything else, you know, so how do I get experience? Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And congratulations on the agency, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. So um, we're talking a lot about your work, but what do you do for fun? What, what do you do that makes your life wonderful besides helping people market? Well, you know, it's funny because I was last summer, I was reading a Michael Hyatt book and I I'm trying to think of the name of it and I'll go back and look it up. Cause now I, this has come up a couple of times, <clears throat> excuse me. And he said, you know, he was talking about uh, being um, productive and, and how to, you know, processes on how to manage your time and all that kind of stuff. But he had a paragraph in there that said, what do you do? Make sure to make time for fun. And what do you do for fun? And it really hit me because I sat there and I'm like, okay, there are things that I enjoy 
doing. Like I love in the spring planting flowers, but I hate to weed them and take care of them. <laughs> so, but, but to me, that's fun is, you know, planting them and figure out where they go. But I'm like, what do I do for fun? And I really couldn't think of anything. Uh, my son used to play baseball and, you know, we, we, we were big baseball fans, but sitting and watching a baseball game is fun, mm-hmm. but it's not something you do for fun unless you're going. So <clears throat> long story short, my son and my husband just recently got back into motorcycle riding, which I was totally against because it's motorcycles. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know, I'm going to learn to ride. So I walked out to the garage and I said, I want to learn how to ride a motorcycle. And my son turned around and looked at me and he said, no blank, mom. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> totally shocked him and <clears throat> said, yeah, I want to learn how to do something fun. This looks like fun to me. And I'll get over my fear, fear of motorcycles. And so I did. I learned how to, you know, they, they were very patient and they taught me. And, you know, last week, uh, last month, my husband and I took a motorcycle trip. Mm-hmm. and we rode up to the North George mountains and stayed at a place. It's a motorcycle only place. And we had a ball. It was a lot of fun. So, you know, we're going riding on the weekends and, and, you know, so that, that to me is fun. So now I have something that is fun in my wheelhouse, especially since baseball is now over and go Braves. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And go Braves. Yeah. World series this year. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. So exciting. So exciting. So have you had any challenges in your life that you had to overcome and now, you know, you've learned from it or it's just made, it it was something that happened that seemed bad at the time, but now it's almost, you look back and it was a good thing. It's okay. I don't know if I call it a good thing, but I would call it an okay thing. It's, um, you know, it, life is what you make it. And I'll use the example. I was talking to my mom yesterday who is, will be 90. I think 90 she'll be 89 next, next, uh, in a couple of weeks. And she had just been to the foot doctor and she came and she said, Oh, I just had the most horrible news. I'm going to have to have a little surgery on my foot. I'm like, okay. In 1986, I was in a pretty bad car accident and it's left me physically not, I, I can't run, which is really okay. <laughs> you know? yeah. Oh, darn. I can't run a marathon. Um, and, and I still deal with it today. I had an accident in my eye when I was two years old and I still deal with it today, but you can either say, woe is me. And, you know, look at your limitations of what you can do or not do, or you can just say, you know what? I, I deal with it as best I can. I, you know, so I don't, you know, I don't plan to run a, a, a marathon. I'm okay with that, but I could swim. I can go swim a marathon. I can go do this or, you know, so it's, I just think life is what you make it. And I've always been kind of a positive let's, you know, the glass, you know, it's not a glass half full or half empty. It's a, let's just drink the water kind of thing. Um, And that's the way I've always looked at things. So yeah, there've been challenges. There've been physical challenges. There's been challenges with my career over the course of the years, um, you know, being laid off or, you know, in in 2013, I I started on this path because I was told I wasn't technical enough and I was laid off from the digital marketing company because I wasn't technical enough. Well, hold my beer. (laughs) Six years later, I have my own digital marketing company and I do a lot of the technical work. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was that mindset that he had and that expectation that he had, because I didn't know anything going in. And I taught mm-hmm. myself, you know, Google and YouTube, you can be an expert at anything. <laughs> so, true. That's so true. yeah, so those are the challenge and you just, you, you figure out how to make them happen. You figure out what's going to work for you and what's not going to work for you. And you go from there. Mm-hmm. So I found that a lot of people, they have morning practices or something they do every day to either center themselves or get ready for the day. Do you have any of those? Yeah, I sit and drink coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do. I get up in the morning and it's kind of my quiet time. You know, like everybody else, my family's home. My, you know, my husband's working from home and uh, my son has his own business. So he's in and out. Um, and hopefully he'll be more out soon, but we're, you know, we're, we're waiting on that. <laughs> um, and, and he is too, but, you know, I get up in the morning and I, and I read, um, I keep thinking I'm going to try to meditate. I've, I was listening to a podcast on, on the way home from a trip last week from a woman who talks about attention span and how good meditation is for that. And I'm like, okay, I really need to try this again, um, just to see if it works for me. You know, it's, it's a need and a want, and I just have to kind of make that happen. But yeah, I, I, I have my three cups of coffee while I'm reading and, you know, thinking about the day and kind of see where I'm going. And then the family gets up and then it's, you know, it's all, I'll, I'll go from there. Nice. So just so people could actually contact you or know all the things you do at this point, could you just tell us where do we find you? And, you know, what services do you have? You mentioned on your bio, you have a a mastermind you're putting together. So why don't you just go over that right now, what you have available? Yeah. One of the, one of the things I love to do is work with people my own age or close to my age that are starting businesses. And I call them encore entrepreneurs. They're, they're people that have been either in corporate or maybe, you know, a lot of people my age are starting to sell businesses or or retire or, um, you know, just ready for something else of a change in life because, you know, we're kind of unhirable, you know, people don't want to to hire somebody that's, you know, 55 or, or up because they think, oh, well, they're going to be retiring soon. So I, I picture this person sitting in their cubicle, you know, the mayor or their office and they're working for a corporate and think, you know, when I retire, I want to do this because it's something I've always wanted to do, or I want to be a consultant, or I want to go coach people or whatever. Um, so I call them on encore entrepreneurs. They're coming back on stage for their second bow. Mm-hmm. And I love working with them. And what I'm working on is putting a mastermind together that'll start at the first of the year of about eight to 10 of these people that want help with their marketing, that want, you know, want to, you know, want to get some training and, you know, look at it from a long-term perspective. So I'm still kind of fleshing that out, but I'm excited about it because it's, it's, um, I think it's going to be great. I think there's, there's going to be a lot of synergy with, because we're different, you know, one of the one of the things that kind of drew me to this group was, you know, video is without getting off on a big tangent, video is, is huge in marketing. And I've always been afraid of video. It's like, well, you know, my hair is gray. My, you know, my body parts aren't in the places that they used to be. And, you know, it's, there's, when you look at social media today and videos today, it's a lot of, a lot of fit, young, healthy people doing this. I'm like, wait a minute. If I talk to my age group, then I'm okay. I'm comfortable with that because we're all in that same boat. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where that, where that thought process started. And it's like, okay, then who, who is this person? What have they done? 
So I think it'll be fun to um, to put this together to talk about some of the the challenges that we have as older entrepreneurs, um, some of the the challenges with marketing today, and teach them and show them the different strategies for marketing. So that's where I see in my mind, you know, going for that. Beautiful. Well, not just a personal question. What okay. gives you the most happiness and fulfillment at this point in your life? Ooh, um, being in a place where I'm comfortable with myself. You know, I, I am who I am. I'm not trying to be somebody I'm not. I'm, I don't take things personally. Um, I have, I have a good sense of humor and I'm, you know, fun is my thing. In fact, I say on my website, if you're not a fun person and don't want to smile and laugh and have a good time while you're working with me, I've got referrals for you. You're not my client. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and I say it on my website because you know, life is too short. Life is too short to take just, just to be absolutely, you know, thrown by things. And I think that's what makes me happy is just knowing I'm a place in my life where I, I really love what I do. Um, I really love helping people. And, you know, this client I talked to yesterday, I said, all right, I'm going to be very blunt because you're not paying me to, you know, to jerk you around and, and be nice. So here's what I'm saying. And, and, you know, the gray hair gives me that option because everybody knows that, you know, <laughs> you know we we're blunt. <laughs> so, so I think that, you know, kind of a, does that make me happy? Yeah. Cause it's, it's, I'm in a good place. I'm in a good place. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and for all your insights on marketing and life. You're welcome. It's been fun. It's been a great conversation. Oh, and you did ask me where you can find me. I'm at igniting your business, I G N I T I N G your business.com. And all of my social media is there. Everything is there. And you're, you know, you're more than welcome to, to take a look there and follow me. And, you know, I try to follow back and, you know, do all that kind of good stuff. All right. And I have one last question before we finish. Sure. What is your best advice on living an incredible, amazing life? Just do it. And, and, you know, yes, Nike took that from me. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think we, I think as we, as we go through life, there are things that we, and this, you know, I take, I have to tell myself this all the time because there are things that I want to do and I'm kind of afraid to do, but it's, I think if we look at, at the question of what's the worst thing that can happen, you know, what's the worst thing that happened if I go make a video and put it out, out there and, you know, people are going to watch it. Okay. So what, I'll make another one. Maybe somebody will watch that one. Um, you know, what's the worst that could happen if we, if we just sit and reflect and be ourselves, what's the worst thing that can happen if we go learn to ride a motorcycle? We won't go there, but, <laughs> but you know, it's, but I can have fun. What's the worst thing that can happen? I think we, I think we, as humans, we, we get caught up in that. Well, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, and the, what if is what's the worst that can happen? Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Lori. Thank you. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs> really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me, Kimberly.